Welcome to Salem Alliance Church. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org. This week's message is by Jennifer Roth. We have been in a series called Empower. We have a couple of weeks left in that this summer. And uh, the series has been about how do we walk as men and women empowered Uh, married, singles, male, female. We've taken some weeks to talk about women in ministry and what the Bible has to say about women serving in the church. And uh, last week we talked about what does it look like for the man to be the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church, so godly headship. And this week we are following that up with kind of part two of the marriage series here that is, what does godly submission look like? If, the, if God calls the man to be the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church, how does the wife submit to the husband as the church submits to Christ? So that's what we're going to talk about today. We are going to get right back into Ephesians 5 where we were last week. So if you like to follow along and you don't have your own Bible with you or your phone, that is on page 980 in your pew Bible, which we will be getting to in just a couple minutes. Also, If you are here, and I know that there are many of you here who are not married, perhaps you have been and you've been widowed or divorced, perhaps you've never been married, perhaps you're dating, Uh, there's many of you here who are not married, and here's what I would love to say. I really believe that this message as we talk about husbands and wives and empowered marriage impacts us each on an individual level because our theology of what God says to men as husbands and what God says to women as wives reflects what we believe God thinks about women and what we believe God thinks about men and how he values men and women. And so even though you might go, well, I'm not married, I would say that the theology that we're going to talk about definitely applies to our view of who God is and how he views his creation in men and women. The second is this. If you think you might get married someday, this idea of the man being the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church and of a woman submitting to her husband in the same way that the church submits to Christ, this is the building block of what a healthy marriage looks like. So take good notes. Pay attention. Because honestly, the best place to work this out is when you're dating. I've long thought that there should be a seminar, not divorce-proof your marriage, but divorce-proof your dating. (laughs) Because much of what makes for a long-lasting marriage is the good work that you do in recognizing the work of God and the character of God in the person that you are considering marrying. So let's lean into this, all of us together, as we talk about what it looks like for a wife to submit to her husband. I want to start with a story. So I probably sat in on my first teaching about relationships and men and women and dating and marriage when I was about seven years old. It was in my backyard. My parents led a college and career group, and they were teaching a series called Love, Sex, and Guilt. Now, seven might seem a little young for that series. I will assure you that there were certain sessions I was not allowed in. Um, But but the point I want to make is I was raised in a Christian home where these conversations were on the forefront. And as I grew through my youth group and student ministries and adulthood, there were certain ideas about marriage and men and women that were presented to me that then I received along the way. 
So I had some understanding of this when, fast forward to April 1998, it was the Saturday night before Easter Sunday morning, and my boyfriend, Jeff Roth, asked me to be his wife. He did it well. He took me to the coast. It was very romantic. I said yes. We drove back home. We visited with my parents, and we went over to his parents, and late that night, he dropped me off at my house, and I thought that he was also just going straight to his house, but he wasn't. He was actually going to put his next step of the plan in in action, which might seem a little presumptuous, although we all knew what I was going to say. But he had had three of these made. (laughs) And what he did that night while I went home was he came and put one of those at every entrance to Salem Alliance Church for Easter Sunday morning. I agree. It was very well done. As a matter of fact, he recycled them the next morning. One was in my front yard. One was at Kaiser Elementary, my place of work. And the other one, back when I I think it was legal, was at the West Salem Bridge, where everybody sees it when they come across the West Salem Bridge. (laughs) So while he was out putting out signs, I was at home, tucked in bed, writing in my journal, having a come-to-Jesus moment. And what I wrote in my journal that night was, Dear Jesus... It has suddenly become imperative that I know what you mean when you say a wife is supposed to submit to her husband because I'm going to be one. (laughs) And Jesus, I confess that up to this point, this teaching has made me angry. The older I got and the more I looked into it, the more I read scripture and listened to teaching and, and what I internalized, I just bumped into these passages where it said, the wife is to submit to the husband. Let's, let's just read it together right here now. Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 21. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. And as the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. Some translations read, so you wives should subject yourself to your husbands in everything. Or you wives should obey your husbands in everything. If you look it up in a dictionary, you'll read something along the lines of submission. The action or fact of accepting or yielding to the superior force or to the will of the or authority of another person. If you look it up in in a Bible dictionary referring to the Greek, it will say to place or rank under, to subject, to obey. And as I talked with God that night, I just said, God... My understanding of submission up to this point has made me so angry that I have begun to avoid your teaching of it because I just don't know what to do with it. Part of my anger was simply the anger of confusion and not understanding. God, what is your heart here? And so what I did that night was I put submission, this theological concept, on my shelf. Now, my shelf is a place in my head and heart where I put difficult theology that I have been frustrated with that hasn't come to any conclusions. And so that night what I said was this, God, your word clearly says that a wife is supposed to submit to her husband. And I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are good. And if you say that this is how a wife and a husband are to relate, then whatever it is that you mean in these pages is good. I believe that you call wives to submit to their husbands. But I do not believe that submission means what I have come to understand it to mean. 
And so tonight, as I look ahead to becoming a wife, I'm going to put all of this wrestle, this frustration, this anger, this not understanding right here. And God, when you are ready to teach me what you meant when you said, wives, submit to your husbands, I am ready to learn. Because I believe you are a good teacher and I want to be submitted to you. And I want to follow you as the Lord of my life. So I am going to love Jeff the way that I have learned to love as a Christ follower. And I am going to seek the Holy Spirit and obey you and follow you as much as I know how as a wife. And when you want to teach me what this whole thing means, I will be listening. Would you make me ready and willing for that? And I went to sleep. Here were some of the things that I was wrestling with that night. Here were the problems that I saw in my limited understanding of submission up to that point in my life. The first one was this. Is female a lesser gender? Is female a subservient status? What is God's heart toward women? Does God see women as less valuable than men? Does God see wives as weaker, less intelligent, less competent, less capable? These are the things that wrestled in my soul as I considered my understanding of submission up to that point. And I knew because of my lifelong relationship with Jesus Christ that this is not how God saw me as a woman and is not how he valued me as a woman, but I couldn't wrap my brain around how this teaching on submission and my awareness of God's heart for me could be the same thing. The other thing that I wrestled with and struggled with was the way that, that the teaching on submission played into the extremes and the abuses when God's word was being used to justify poor treatment of women. And the other thing, quite frankly, that I wrestled with was just the word obey. I do realize that as Christ followers, there is a time for obedience. God says go and we go. God says stay and we stay. He says stop and we stop because that's what it means to have a Lord of your life that you surrender to. But for me, obedience had so many layers wrapped up in it. Layers from my family of origin and my culture of origin and my religion of origin and quite frankly, my perfectionism and the way that I internalize things and that, I, that, that obedience was wrapped up in, am I being pleasing? Am I being acceptable? Am I doing the right thing? And so for me, for a long time, this was just the O word. It's just the O word, and I wrestled with how it was being used in light of wives and submission to their husbands. These were the things that I was struggling with that night. So there was a journey that God took me on, and I need to express that from the time I put that on the shelf to the time that God whispered to my soul about submission, I did not think of the word submission once in what I'm about to explain to you. I did not think that I was on a journey of learning what it means to submit. I was simply on a journey with God, okay? So Jeff and I had been married about two years, and God began to point out something about my attitude. He began to convict me about something, and what he showed me wasn't pretty. What he revealed to me was that I had become a naysayer. I just, Jeff would come up with an idea or something. I No, that's too hard, or that'll take too much time, or people might think that's weird, or no, nah, I don't know. And so one particular example was that uh, Jeff had said, Jennifer, what if we were to start a couple's Bible study in our home? And I kind of thought, you know, if you start a couple's Bible study, first of all, you have to decide who to invite, and that opens the door for some rejection if they say no. And then you have to decide what to study and choose the curriculum. And then you have to actually be prepared and lead the study and be ready. And we've got a young son, and I'm kind of too tired to be prepared once a week to know exactly how to lead. And, this kind of, and so, yeah, no, no, I don't think so. 
And as God began to convict me and, and, and show me what I was doing, he began to challenge me to say yes to Jeff. He began to challenge me to open my heart and to open my mind and to just explore the ideas that Jeff was bringing up. More than just this one, but this one in particular. And I can't explain to you why that was so hard. It was 18 years ago for one, but I remember that I was bumping into my, my independence and my own will and my own stress and anxiety level and weariness and feeling tired in life and just feeling like I don't have the energy to say yes to Jeff. But I remember that it was an issue that God and I had and that I was wrestling out with him and that I decided to surrender and obey to God and say yes to my husband. And as I began to say yes to Jeff Moore in this issue of Bible study and other issues, I began to see some amazing things happen as a result of obedience to God. The first one was, I realized that when Jeff said, Jennifer, what do you think about starting a couple's Bible study in our home? What he meant was, Jennifer, I would like to lead a couple's Bible study in our home. I would like to figure out who to invite. And I would like to choose curriculum. And I would like to lead it. Would you like to partner with me in opening our home for that? And when I was going, ah, no, too hard, when I was taking the responsibility on me and inserting myself in the leadership position, which I do all too easily, what I was really communicating to Jeff was, you don't really have what it takes to lead a Bible study. I don't really think that you can do this. I don't really think that this is a good idea. And I didn't realize it, but I was cutting him down as I was projecting myself into the place of being responsible for his idea. That was the second thing that I realized. In walking this with Jeff, I saw it with him, and I began to see it at, in ministry and with my children and with my friends. Anywhere I looked, I saw a problem and inserted myself as the answer. I was taking responsibility to fix everything in the world. I actually had a bit of a savior complex. <laughs> and quite frankly, I was bearing the weight of responsibility for things that Jeff had not asked me to be responsible for and that God had not asked me to be responsible for. And as this journey opened my eyes to the way that I was doing this, I began to walk with God in releasing some of these responsibilities and looking at Jeff and saying, yeah, that's a great idea. Go do it. How can I support you? And I'm not the one responsible to make sure this thing works or works out. And in doing that, what I'm communicating to him is, I trust you to do this. I trust you to make this work. I believe that you can make this work, and I believe that your idea is a good one. And what I saw happen there amazed me. Because what I saw in my husband was that confidence rose up. And a strength rose up. And women, I just need you to hear that there is something amazingly powerful when you somehow get the point across to your man that you believe in him. There is something that rises up in a man. And here's the image I have, and it's just, it's the best way I can describe it. It's, a, it's the guy pulling out his suspenders and saying, my woman believes in me. <laughs> There is something that rises up that I did not know as a young wife that I had the power to quench or to build up. I did not know. And as I was walking in this journey with God, there was a day that I was just praising God because I'm going, 
I am seeing a strength and a confidence in my husband that I didn't know was there and that I didn't know I could influence. And that is a beautiful thing. I am finding that I am walking without the weight of the world on my shoulders and I'm not carrying the stress and anxiety from feeling like I have to fix everything. And I was feeling like I was being released into this wide open space of joyful living in my marriage and in my life. And the Holy Spirit of the living God whispered to my soul, Jennifer, this is submission. <laughs> this is submission? No way. This beautiful, glorious place, this is what you meant when you said wives submit to your husbands? This thing that I have welling up in me that is building strength between my husband and I, that I have the ability to quench or to build into, this is what you meant when you said submission? It was an amazing journey that robbed me of my anger and exposed to me the beauty of what God meant in Genesis when he said when he created man and woman and he said they will be one flesh and that that marriage was to be for a lifetime between one man and one woman and that it was very good. That is what I was living into was the very good that God had created. So take that story and look at the scripture and line it up. Because we read in Ephesians that it says, as the church submits to Christ, so wives submit to your husbands. So this thing that I believed God was teaching me through my experience about submission, let's test that with the scripture as we look at how does the church submit to Christ. And here's what I discovered as I was looking into how do we see the church submitting to Christ. First of all, we see the church submitting to Christ by believing as the church, we believe that Jesus is who he said he was, that he did what he said he did, and that he can save us from our sins. We believe, and that is the way that we become a part of the church. Jesus died and paid the price for our sin, and he rose again and gained authority to forgive us from our sins. That is how we become a part of the body of Christ, adopted as children into his family. And friends, I need to say this. If you are here and you have never made a commitment to making Jesus the Lord of your life, committed to following him with your whole life, the Holy Spirit of the living God is not inside of you. And we need the Holy Spirit of the living God inside of us in order to live out this life that he calls us to, in order to have this marriage. We cannot have a godly marriage without God in the center of it. So the first step of the church submitting to Christ is that we believe. The second is that we trust. We see the early disciples stating that they are doing what they're doing because of Jesus in whom they have put their trust. Because of their belief in him and their belief in his good heart towards them, they trust him with themselves and with the outcomes of their life and their actions. The early church also followed Jesus. They saw his model they had the teaching of the Holy Spirit and they followed and they obeyed what he told them to do. Motivated by their belief in him, motivated by their trust in the fear of the Lord, they followed Jesus where he said to go. The other thing the early church did is that they were seeking Christ routinely we see in scripture, and they prayed. They come up to this situation and they prayed, or they were praying and fasting when the Holy Spirit came and showed them what to do. They were seeking the Holy Spirit through prayer and fasting, wanting his wisdom, wanting his power, needing to know his guidance in that situation. And the final way that we see, I'm sure there are more of the ones that I'm gonna talk about today, 
is that the early church was serving alongside Jesus. Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, had given them spiritual gifts. He had given them a calling. He had shown them what to do, and they were doing the good things that he had planned for them. This submission of the church to Christ was not passive. It wasn't the church sitting around going, yeah, there's nothing I can do because, well, he's in charge. It was an active submission, partnering with Jesus in the building of the kingdom. They were anointing elders. They were teaching and preaching. They were traveling on mission trips. They were visiting other churches, and they were welcoming people into their churches and welcoming people into their homes. The gift of hospitality was at play. They were taking care of each other's physical and financial needs. The submission was an active and not a passive act. And so when I reflect on what I believed God was telling me through experience, and I look at it with the scriptures, I say, yeah. Yeah, this is what godly submission looks like. In my experience with Jeff, I began to believe in who he was and that he had something to offer. I began to trust his leadership and his guidance and his desires. I followed what he wanted to do, allowing him to be responsible for that. And then we served together in that, and we saw God move through a couple's Bible study in our home. That's how the church submits to Christ. It's how we as wives submit to our husbands. Let's unpack just a little bit more about what submission looks like from what we can see in Scripture. The first thing is that godly submission is a universal call for all believers. Godly submission is a universal call for all believers. We read it at the very beginning of our passage today in Ephesians 5, verse 21. Put it up on the screen again behind me. It says this, And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another as a church, as an entire body of Christ. Submit each of you to one another because of your gender. Uh-uh. Because of your race. Nope. Because of your social status. Not what it says. Out of reverence for Christ. Because Jesus Christ, our Savior and our coming King, our Redeemer and our Sanctifier, says that this is the way to live. That as Christ followers, we're to be completely humble and gentle and patient, bearing with one another in love. We are to consider the interests of others above ourselves. Really, in the upside-down kingdom of Jesus, if you want to be the greatest, you need to be the least. If you want to be a leader, you need to be a servant. If you want to move up, the way to go is down. That is the call of all believers. This isn't just a gender-based, men are to be in charge of women kind of a thing. This is a kingdom culture reality that we are all people under authority. When you look at submission throughout the New Testament, you see that everyone is called to submit to our governing authorities, that all things are called to submit to Christ. Young men are called to submit to older men. It tells us that Jesus submitted himself to God, and yes, it calls wives to submit to husbands. Friends, our culture has a reaction against being under authority, but as Christ followers, We are all called to be under authority, and we're all called to willingly submit our rights and what we're entitled to in this relationship with each other. In Philippians 2, it tells us that Jesus, the attitude that we need to copy is like Jesus, who, though he was God, did not think of equality with God as something to be grasped. But he gave up his divine privileges and humbled himself to the position of a slave by becoming human, and not just human, but dying a criminal's death on the cross. 
This is his example of what it looks like for all of us as believers to not cling to what we're entitled to, to humbly give up our rights and our entitlement in order to follow the direction that God calls us in life. And when we do that, God lifts us up. We read further in Philippians that when Jesus humbled himself, God lifted him up to have authority over all things. Submission is an unpopular, repugnant concept these days. I'm reading a quote from a spiritual practice about the submission of all believers. The notion of giving away power conjures up images of becoming a doormat, a weak-willed non-entity, or a brainwashed cult follower. But this perception is miles away from the biblical model of submission. True biblical submission is not linked solely to hierarchy and roles. It begins in the very center of the Trinity where the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are all mutually honor and defer to each other. Christ's submission to the Father did not make him less than the Father. It was the way the Son gave glory to the Father. So we see that submission that leads to growth means aligning my will and freedom with God's will and freedom. God's will for us includes freely submitting to each other out of love and reverence for Christ. And this is a really, really important piece of submission, whether it is the universal call for all believers or the specific call of wives to their husbands or the specific call of us to those who are in authority over us. It's that submission cannot be demanded or it becomes oppression. Submission, by its definition, is a voluntary act. It is a decision I make to willingly give of myself, even knowing what I might be entitled to or what my rights are. And the minute that it becomes a demand, you must submit to me because the Bible says it becomes oppression. And it reveals an attitude that is backward from the characteristic of Christ. So I would just pause and say this. Men, if you have heard this teaching throughout your life and you have felt as a husband that part of what your job was was to make sure that your wife submits to you, I think that we've got it a little bit backwards because it is God's invitation to your wife to submit to you and it is God's invitation to you to lay down your life for her and that reflects that mutually giving up our own rights for each other to lift the other person up. So godly submission is a universal call for all believers that cannot be demanded no matter what our status is. Second, godly submission does not come naturally. <laughs> this invitation to lay down our lives for someone else, to put the interest of others in front of our own, it's not something that flows out of us naturally. As a matter of fact, in, in the book to Romans, Paul tells us this, Romans chapter 8, so letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death but letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. This word obey here in the middle, it never did obey God's laws, that's the same Greek as what we translate submission in other places. So the sinful nature cannot submit to God. It does not come natural to us. It only becomes a piece of who we are when, born again with the spirit of the living God in us, he empowers us to begin to not be a slave to sin, but to follow the, the way of Jesus Christ and to follow his teaching and to begin to lay our lives down for others. And yet in the midst of that, sometimes you and I know that whether we're following God or another authority or whether it's a wife submitting to her 
her husband, there are times when the thing that we are being asked to do is hard and it doesn't feel good and it is a wrestling match and it is a struggle. And what I want us to say is we cannot just say, well, this isn't right because it feels bad. This isn't God's will because it's hard. He must not have meant wives submit to our husbands because I don't like how that feels. We cannot let the pendulum swing from the abuses and the things that don't feel good over here to, well, then there is no thing like submission. God must not mean that because we miss the very good of what God created. And yet, when we teach this, hey, submission means there are times when you and I will do things that we don't really like that can get taken to the extreme and in the hands of someone who is controlling or manipulative or even abusive, using their power to hurt others, we actually, as a church, teach something that opens the door for abusive relationships. And yet, we have to be so careful about that word abuse because it gets, it gets bounced around and, and who really knows how to define it and what it is and what's just hard because I'm being asked to lay down my desires for someone else and what's just not right and not healthy because someone is using their power in order to manipulate and to control. In every area, in all Christian traditions and institutions, abuses of power exist. However, this is not a reason to invalidate that good that can come out of relationships where godly submission is practiced. We can't throw out the baby with the bathwater. It is rather a plea to discern when authority figures misuse the power and influence to harm others. Submission to abusive people is never the biblical model for relationships. So I want to put up on the screen behind me here a poster that I saw actually on the back of a bathroom stall door in the Sublimity DMV <laughs> when my son was taking his test for his permit. Because this is a, a list that just gives us a few warning size, signs that someone may be abusive in our relationships. Abusive relationships encompass a wide range of behaviors that abusers use to gain control of their victims. This is not something I put up because we're going to go through it point by point. Talk about it a little bit. I really put it up there because I want you to hear that when we are talking about submission, there is a line that can get crossed that is not godly, that is not as to the Lord, and that is not God's heart for men or women. Okay? So, does your partner uh, charm, act extremely charming, and flatter you constantly, almost seeming too good to be true, but at the same time make you feel crazy? criticize you and put you down or say you are crazy, stupid, unattractive, or unlovable? Does your partner pressure, want to move too quickly in the relationship, or take no responsibility for their behavior and constantly blame others? Do they isolate you, wanting you all to themselves and insist you stop spending time with family and friends? Are they overly jealous or controlling, discouraging your participation in other things, ignoring your opinions, sabotaging you, taking your money or running up debt in your name? I'm not saying that if something like this has happened once in your marriage that you are in an abusive marriage. I'm saying that if so things like this are the, are the norm in your relationship, I invite you to consider if what you have thought was godly submission is actually something that is not God's heart for you. And I would say that if you wonder, if you sit there and go, Jennifer, is this just because submission is hard? Or is this because there's something going on here that's not right? Would you please talk to somebody you trust? 
Would you talk to a mentor or a counselor or come talk to me? This is my email, jroth at salemalliance.org, jroth at salemalliance.org. Email me. I'm not going to have answers for you. I'm not going to be able to listen to your story and say, yes, this is abusive or no, it's not. But I will listen to you and I will pray with you and I will help you connect to resources within our church and within our community. If you wonder, talk to somebody you trust. Because in Ephesians 5.22, it says that wives are called to submit as to the Lord. And that is a reflection of what our submission is to. So men, I just need to tell you, this really isn't about her submitting to you. This is about you representing the Lord in her life. This isn't really about her doing what you want her to do. This is about you together leaning into the Lord and seeking him for the will and the future for your marriage and for your home and your family and for her best interest. So women, if he's demanding things that do not reflect God's heart, or if he's asking you to do something the Lord wouldn't ask of you, then that is not the submission as to the Lord that the Bible is talking about. Let us not confuse godly submission with control and manipulation and abuse. And finally, godly submission, godly submission in the reflection of who Christ is, is the privilege and the blessing of every wife. Because when we truly lay our lives down and follow God in obedience to make space for our husbands, to listen to his ideas, to believe in him, to trust him, to express that to him to the point that he knows that we have confidence in him. I believe that we will see him rise up in a way that we love being married to him. And as he functions in the way that God created, he will raise us up in a way that he loves being married to us. You know, Proverbs says it'd be better to live on the corner of a roof than to live with a nagging wife. I believe this is the solution to that. When we both, male and female, live into the calling of God on our life, but it has to be together. It has to be together. Women, never think that in lowering yourself, you have less power for good. Because in God's upside-down kingdom... In order to use our strength and our giftedness and lean into the destiny that he created us for, we have to lower ourselves, and he will increase our power for doing good. Luke 6 says it this way, not in context of submission, but just in general, that concept of it is better to give than to receive. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. This idea of godly submission is the privilege and the blessing of every wife. Because when we do this, we open ourselves up to the blessing of God and we open ourselves up to receiving that blessing of being cared for and cherished, lifted up and empowered by the man that we love. So, submission is not being a passive doormat. It's actually active and partnering with and building and serving with Submission is not an excuse for one person to impose their will on another or to control another, but it is an invitation to seek that person's opinion, to glean from their experience and their wisdom and their personality and their gifts, to show them that you desire to know what they have to offer. Wives, we are so quick to be independent and to guard our, we just don't want to be that woman 
you know, the one who's so needy that she can't take care of herself. But in trying to make sure that we come across as independent, what we do is we say, I don't need anything. There's nothing you have to give me that I don't have myself. And we are cutting our husbands off at the knees because they want to give us of their strength that God has given them. And so while it's not an excuse for one person to impose their will, it is an invitation for us to invite the opinions and the advice and the partnership of our spouse by opening ourselves up to them. It's not one size fits all. It will look different in every marriage. Nor is it a formula. It's way more about an expression of the heart and our inner motives than about an outward alignment with certain actions and certain expectations. So, wives, you have a high and a holy calling to willingly lay down your rights and your independence, to believe, trust, follow, seek out, and serve with your husband. Will you set aside your resentments and your resistance? Will you let your gentleness be evident to all? Will you seek to do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit? But would you ask God to help you trust him and trust your heart to him so that you can make space for your husband through submission? By doing so, you will not only build him up in confidence and in his own maturity, you might even inspire him to lean into God harder because he recognizes that what you need from him, he does not have to offer unless he is on his face before the Lord. You have the power, wives, to quench or to build up. You have the power to speak to your husband that you believe in him, that you trust him, and that you need what he has to offer in your marriage and in your family. Will you lean into it? Because by doing that, you will not only build him up, but you will discover the beauty and the freedom that God intended when he said that marriage works best when wives submit to their husbands. And husbands, given this call that I have just said to your wives, will you live worthy of this submission? Do you realize what has been entrusted to you? Do you understand the heart that has been given to you when she said yes? When she said yes? For some of you, that's been a lot of years ago. For some of you, you may have gotten distracted by the raising of children and the pace of life and the work that you do. And some of you just need to go home today and you need to look each other in the eye and you need to reaffirm, I love you, I believe in you, I trust you, I want the best for you and I'm doing everything I know how to live as a godly wife or a godly husband to you. And we need to recalibrate some of our habits and our patterns because we've kind of lost sight of this. So husbands, will you in reverence and the fear of the Lord recognize what has been entrusted to you and commit now to a renewed pursuit of your own spiritual maturity and wisdom so that you can be the husband that your wife needs and that she wants more than any other? Will you put her needs first and commit to doing nothing out of selfish ambition and vain conceit? Will you share your authority and position with her? Will you lift her up and empower her to flourish in the giftedness that God has given her? By doing so, you will build her up in strength and confidence. You will expose the beauty that God has created in her. And not only will you bless her, but you will find the purpose and the respect that you desire. And I'm going to suggest the wife that you long to live with. 
Marriage matters to God because marriage is about the most central part of our hearts. What he has proposed to us is good, and we have resisted a long time. Let's lean into the goodness that is God's heart for us in marriage. Let's pray. Father, this is holy ground. You've called us not only to follow you in submission to your will and your authority in our lives, but you've called us to submit to each other, to prefer one another in love, to lay down our rights and our independence and our entitlement in order to lay down our life each for the other. You've given us a picture of what this looks like in the church. You've given us a model in Christ. And you've given us this high and holy calling as men and women in marriage to seek and to follow you. And when we do that, God, you build strength and power and beauty and intimacy and love into our marriages that we cannot imagine. God, there are those sitting here today who have lost hope. There are those sitting here today who have been angry or offended or wounded, and rightfully so. May we as your people turn to you. May we submit first and foremost to you and then follow your Holy Spirit and what it looks like to reconcile, to confess, to change our ways and to be transformed into this loving place where our marriages might reflect the very good that you intend for us. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Salem Alliance Church is a community of Jesus followers located in downtown Salem, Oregon. And we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. If you have a request that we could pray for, please email us at prayers at salemalliance.org. You can view today's entire service online at livestream.com backslash Salem Alliance.